welcome back to On the Middle East, our Monitor's podcast on the big stories in the region. My name is Ambrin Zaman, and today we'll be talking about violence in Iraq's oil-rich province of Kirkuk. Kirkuk is among several contested Iraqi territories that are claimed by Baghdad and the Kurdistan regional government. At least four people were killed and dozens injured after Kurds and Iran-backed Shia groups clashed in the province over the past week. Kirkuk is also home to ethnic Turkmens who oppose Kurdish claims and have been supported in this by Turkey. The flare-up is a chilling reminder of the mass slaughter of Kurds in and around Kirkuk under Saddam Hussein and comes amid a new low in relations between the KRG and Baghdad. Since 2017, when the Kurds held their ill-fated referendum on independence, Baghdad has been systematically curbing Kurdish gains that were enshrined in Iraq's new constitution in the wake of Saddam's overthrow. With us here today to discuss this complex situation is Mohammed Saleh, a scholar of Iraqi politics and a fellow at the Foreign Policy Research Institute in Philadelphia. Welcome to our program, Mohammed. It's great to have you with us here today. Thank you so much, Amber. It's a pleasure to be with you. So why is Kirkuk such a flashpoint in Iraq? What is the significance of this city? Well, Kirkuk is uh, often referred to as a microcosm of Iraq, and uh, that's not an exaggeration. It's a place where uh, basically, you know, every major group in the country, every major ethnic and sectarian group in the country has a uh, significant presence in, uh, be that uh, Kurds, Arabs, uh, Shia and Sunni Arabs, uh, Turkmens, and also uh, a smaller uh, community of uh, Christians in, in Kirkuk. So uh, Kirkuk has been uh, basically an issue from the very beginning of the creation of the Iraqi state. Uh, and uh, the uh, the discovery of oil uh, in the province by the British in uh, in the early 20th century was the uh, really you know the major reason that uh, brought a lot of attention to Kirkuk uh, for better or worse, and a lot of it you know turned out uh, to be uh, for worse at least for the uh, province's residents. And uh, starting from uh, the uh, you know uh, 60s in particular. Uh, there were uh, organized uh, campaigns and attempts by various Iraqi governments, uh, particularly in the 70s and 80s and 90s under the Abbas government of uh, Saddam Hussein. Uh, the, you know, the, there were this uh, organized so-called uh, Arabization campaign uh, where, uh, you know, the Iraqi government uh, began expelling uh, many of the city and the provinces, uh, Kurdish population uh, to other nearby provinces. And uh, also in the 80s, uh, a, uh, you know, uh, a significant sort of portion of the areas uh, that uh, were subjected to the so-called uh, Anfal campaign, which was a genocide campaign by the Iraqi government, a, a significant portion of that was, the, was in the countryside of the Kirkuk province. And so uh, as far as you know, uh, Kurds are concerned, uh, Kirkuk holds a very uh, really emotional uh, 
place um, in you know in, in Kurdish uh, psyche. In fact, they call it the Kurdish Jerusalem, don't they? Right. So uh, there are different things that uh, Kirkuk is being called, uh, you know, in, in Kurdish uh, political uh, language. Uh, the the expression that Kirkuk is the Jerusalem of Kurdistan was, uh, you know, coined or uh, made popular, actually. It was used before uh, by a poet, but made uh, popular by, by the late President Jalal Talabani, who was the leader of the uh, Patriotic Union of Kurdistan. Uh, on the other side, the other Kurdish side, that is uh, the Kurdistan Democratic Party, the KDP, um, you know, Kirkuk is being referred to as the heart of Kurdistan. But no matter what the designation is, uh, you know, it, it refers to the uh, importance that Kirkuk uh, holds for the uh, Kurdish movement in Iraq. And it's among these contested territories, right, where the Kurds say this belongs to us, and the Baghdad says no, it's ours. And uh, it was decided that it, there would be a referendum held in in all of these contested areas. Right uh, when um, the constitution was being written uh, in Iraq, but that never happened. And in the meantime, in 2017, the Kurds held their own referendum on independence that was. Uh, fiercely opposed by its neighbors, Iran, Turkey, Baghdad, and in fact, the United States. Uh, and after that referendum, they lost Kirkuk, right, which they had in fact taken over, taking advantage of the ISIS advance in 2014. So can you bring us up to speed uh, with what happened after 2017 in Kirkuk and why today we're seeing this violence erupt? And what does it tell us about the broader relationship between um, the KRG and Baghdad? You are right. So basically after 2017 and the referendum, uh, the independence referendum, referendum held by Kurds in Iraq, uh, you know, as a result of, uh, you know, of a military operation that was uh, actually masterminded and led by the uh, late Iranian general uh, Qasem Soleimani of the Quds Force of the Iranian Revolutionary Guards Corps. So uh, ever since uh, the the Iraqi uh, forces and that of the official Iraqi military, the army, as well as the uh, popular mobilization forces or uh, al-Hashd al-Shaabi, uh, which is a uh, mainly collection of uh, pro-Iranian Shia militia groups, they have been the dominant, uh, you know, uh, factions in, in Kirkuk. And so uh, with the loss of uh, Kurdish control over Kirkuk, uh, Kurdish political power and status in Kirkuk also declined, has been declining. And uh, it's not really only about, uh, you know, the loss of official positions such as the governorship of the uh, of the province and uh, other, you know, uh, administrative uh, departments within within the province. But uh, there has been a renewed uh, sort of campaign of uh, you know, of the various uh, Iraqi factions uh, trying to, in, in some parts of the province, for example, uh, renege on the agreements uh, in the past in terms of, uh, you know, returning the usurped lands of the Kurdish farmers to them. So now there is 
there has been this renewed, uh, you know, Arabization campaign going on in the province, whereby uh, the the local Arab residents uh, who were brought in by Saddam's regime and you know are, are sort of known as Arab settlers in the in the area have been uh, with the backing and support of the Iraqi army units uh, quite often uh, keep coming back you know to those villages where they had occupied the land in the past and demand them and claim that they they actually have ownership over uh, you know those lands uh, which in reality they do not and you know they were sort of the uh, the the brought in by by the previous regime so all of this has has really uh, you know renewed attention in the uh, uh, Kurdish uh, public opinion, so to speak, uh, about Kirkuk. And uh, Kirkuk has been, you know, sort of this low intensity uh, confrontation zone between, uh, you know, Kurds on one side and the various groups on the other side. So the immediate trigger, though, for what we're seeing happening now, uh, which resulted in the deaths of four Kurds who were shot by the Iraqi security forces, was the fact that um, Sudani, the prime minister, uh, said that he would return uh, the building that was the headquarters of the Kurdistan Democratic Party of uh, Iraq, which is the largest, most influential political grouping in Iraqi Kurdistan, that they would return their headquarters to them, allow them to come back. And then uh, the federal court uh, struck that down, which was quite extraordinary, uh, based on a sort of complaint lodged by some resident of Kirkuk. So very political, really, in essence. And the next thing we knew, uh, groups of sort of um, Iraqi militia-backed individuals being bussed in, at least that's the allegation, who then... Uh, decided to organize a sit-in on the Kirkuk Erbil Road, uh, cutting off a very vital artery, and that's when the sort of violence flared up. Um, so going back to my earlier question, what does this really tell us about the state of relations between Baghdad and the KRG, and who is actually behind all of these actions of these Shia uh, militia groups? Is it Iran? group that, uh, you know, uh, had or played the prominent role in organizing the protests or, you know, the sit-in in front of the KDP's former or the Barzani party's former regional uh, headquarters in Kirkuk uh, is or was the Asaib Ahl al-Haq or the League of the Righteous, uh, which is uh, one of the, uh, you know, numerous uh, Iraqi militia groups actually established by the uh, Iranian IRGC and, you know, is, is known as a uh, major, basically, uh, promoter of the Iranian uh, agenda within Iraqi political scene. So what happened after uh, Prime Minister uh, Mohammad Shia al-Sudani recently ordered the Iraqi military uh, uh, joint operation command in Kirkuk, which had taken over the KDP building ever since 2017 to evacuate the building and hand it over to the KDP. Uh, a couple of groups, uh, in particular uh, Assad Ahl al-Haq, the Shia militia group, uh, but also a local uh, Sunni group, uh, which is led by uh, a tribal figure uh, named uh, Wasfi al-Asi. Th these two groups were really at the forefront of the uh, 
you know, uh, sort of uh, the the broader number of groups uh, that uh, organized a sit-in and uh, protested the Iraqi government's decision. And so they had been there for a week almost. And what that did, that as you said, that cut off that main uh, highway between uh, Erbil and Kirkuk, which goes all the way down to Baghdad and, you know, the south of Iraq. And it's really a vital artery, as you described it, uh, in terms of the movement of uh, people and goods uh, in the country. And what that did, that, uh, you know, that uh, blocking of the road by the protesters meant that a lot of these, uh, you know, basically not a lot, every truck and car that would have otherwise used that road, they had to turn around and go through the nearby Kurdish neighborhoods. And as you can imagine, that really, you know, created, uh, you know, a, a very difficult uh, situation for the locals uh, to have, you know, the uh, the traffic on a major highway diverted into their neighborhoods. It, it, it affected the you know, livelihoods of a lot of people. They could not uh, travel easily in and out of the city. And so uh, in response to that, there was a Kurdish, uh, you know, uh, protest organized on uh, September uh, the 2nd to protest that. And that uh, eventually, you know, the, the protest got bigger and led to a confrontation between the Iraqi security forces uh, and the uh, Kurdish uh, protesters, which was basically, you know, the, the Iraqi security forces, in particular, the counterterrorism forces, opening fire, killing uh, four of the protesters and uh, injuring over a dozen. So what has uh, all of this uh, led to in terms of the uh, relations between Baghdad and uh, the Kurdistan regional government or the Kurdish uh, groups in the city is that it has really, uh, you know, rekindled uh, the tensions uh, that always were there sort of at a low intensity uh, level. It, it, it has uh, rekindled really this, uh, you know, potentially very explosive situation in the province. And uh, it has also uh, led to a couple of uh, Shia political groups, in particular, Asab Ahl al-Haq, to emerge as a you know as a very important local uh, player in 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 the local uh, politics of Kirkuk, and what that also shows is that the Iraqi government really cannot make independent decisions, and a lot of these groups, such as the Shia militia groups, which are officially part of the government, they play this game where you know they have one leg in the government, one leg outside of it. They approve a decision in the cabinet meeting. And outside, you know, they would come and do something like this. So, you know, that that makes uh, any degree of trust and ability to deal with Baghdad uh, for Kurds really that much harder. It may have been an oversimplification to say, you know, Iran is sort of behind all of this. But we do know that um, Iran is very much opposed to any uh, moves by the Kurds towards independence because they are you know, facing a, a sort of um, separatist threat at home, or at least that's what they claim, even though we know that the Iranian Kurdish groups are very weak uh, and they're inside Iraqi Kurdistan. And Iran has made sure that their hosts, the Iraqi Kurds, um, you know, keep them on a very tight leash. Uh, but still, of course, especially given uh, the mass protests that erupted uh, over the uh, death in custody of a Kurdish woman and the, the slogans that came out were Kurdish ones about 
you know, um, women, life, freedom, etc. It's 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 very sensitive for Iran. So obviously, it's very much in their interest to see that the Kurds don't come back to Kirkuk. Would you agree with that? I definitely would agree with that. And uh, even though there is no, uh, you know, sort of clear, conclusive uh, evidence of uh, any direct Iranian involvement, but the major role played by a group like uh, Asab Ahl al-Haq, which is the Shia militia group, as I said before, and also, you know, sort of uh, stepping back and zooming out and looking at the broader uh, regional geopolitical situation with what is happening in Syria's uh, eastern province of Deir ez-Zor and the Iranian, you know, the increased Iranian pressures on uh, on the Kurdistan regional government in Iraq to expel the Iranian Kurdish opposition groups from uh, Iraqi Kurdistan, you know, that has a lot of people actually wondering out loudly if uh, Iran is sort of, you know, uh, masterminding a broader regional pressure on uh, Kurdish groups. And, uh, you know, there are numerous reasons for that. But as you also said, uh, you know, Iran has been uh, in Iraq pursuing this agenda of uh, expanding the control of its uh, loyal or aligned groups over the Iraqi state. And the, you know, the Kurdistan region is the only area in the country really that has not been subjected to this pressure, especially the KDP controlled parts of Kurdistan. And so, uh, you know, th there is definitely a very strong Iranian interest and desire for for Iraqi Kurds to be brought under the control of Baghdad, in particular at the moment that the Iraqi government and the, you know, that the state more broadly is being uh, controlled by pro-Iranian groups in Baghdad. So th this is, you know, like a golden opportunity for Iran, and it would be a double strike because what that would also mean is that it would have very serious implications for uh, domestic Iranian politics and the and the role of Kurds as an important, increasingly uh, important actor within Iranian opposition politics. Is, is that you know uh, subduing Iraqi Kurds would really have uh, very you know or at least Iran would hope, would demoralize Iranian Kurds from pursuing any serious opposition to the government in Tehran in the long run. Paradoxically, though, one of the main Iraqi Kurdish uh, parties, the Patriotic Union of Kurdistan, which shares power with the KDP and the Kurdistan regional government, has very close relations with uh, some of the groups, Shia militia groups that you mentioned, and also with Iran. And indeed, uh, back in 2017, uh, when Iraqi forces moved in and basically kicked out uh, the KDP from Kirkuk, uh, it was broadly alleged that the PUK was somehow complicit in that. And so where does the PUK currently stand in this um, recent flare-up? And how has it affected uh, the standing of both of these Kurdish parties, particularly at a time when we're talking about uh, new elections in the KRG? That's a great question. Uh, as you rightly pointed out, you know, Kurdish politics is always uh, very complicated, uh, complex and trickier than it might seem. So 
you are absolutely right that the uh, PUK party led by uh, by you know Baful Talabani has very you know good relation with uh, some of these uh, Shia pro-Iranian groups in Baghdad and also with the uh, with, with Iran, but. It, it, it is also very interesting to see that the group that, as I said, was the main party behind organizing the protest, the Asab Ahl al-Haq, which has very close relations and, uh, you know, with the PUK, uh, the leaders of the, you know, PUK and Asab Qais uh, al-Khazali meet regularly. Uh, Asab's media actually uh, put out, uh, you know, a, a, a report that claimed a member of PUK uh, counter-terrorism forces was actually, uh, you know, involved in the protests and had shot at the Iraqi security forces, and and so you know that that I I mentioned that to say that uh, you know the relations are always uh, you know a lot more uh, complex and complicated than what it might seem. So. Despite the the fact that PUK has better relations or warm relations with a lot of these uh, pro-Iranian groups within Iraq and with Iran itself, uh, at the end of the day, there is no uh, you know uh, Shia uh, or Iranian interest uh, or uh, you know an interest or desire on the part of pro-Iranian groups within Iraq as well to see a Kurdistan region standing uh, within Iraq. So. Uh, the, the relationship with the PUK is really mostly transactional, and it is aimed at uh, undermining the KRG, which is dominated by the KDP. And uh, they have been, you know, trying to uh, exploit the internal Kurdish divisions to that end. And then, of course, there's the other big regional player, Turkey, for whom Kirkuk is also uh, very sensitive. And the Turkish official narrative is that Kirkuk is a Turkman city. And where does Turkey stand in all of this? Turkey has always had a keen interest in uh, in the fate of Kirkuk, and uh, they definitely uh, are happy with the status quo in the sense that Kurds are no longer the dominant part in Kirkuk, and they do not uh, want you know that sort of outcome uh, most most likely, given their uh, opposition to the uh, Kurdish referendum in 2017, and also their longest-standing opposition to uh, Kurdish uh, dominance and hegemony over Kirkuk between 2003 to 2017. Uh, they, they, they of course, have uh, on, on numerous occasions brought up uh, the Turkmen question in Kirkuk, uh, but uh, everybody really know that the you know that the Turkmen population or community or political forces in Kirkuk are not uh, an important uh, sort of you know determinant of the fate of the city at the end. Uh, however, again, this uh, comes to play into the broader picture of the Iraqi-Turkish relations uh, with the KRG in the middle of those, uh, you know, uneasy set of relations between Iraq and Turkey. Well, we didn't really talk about the Sunni Arabs. Um, of course, they're also a player in all of this. Um, but, you know, we're running out of time here. Let's hope that um, the violence abates. It has kind of abated, right? Um, they seem to have put something of a Band-Aid over it, but it does remain a very serious challenge going forward. And sadly, uh, this is probably not the last time we'll see this kind of violence. Thank you so much, Mohammed, for coming on our show. 
uh, and congratulations for your no new role at the uh, Foreign Policy Research Institute in Philadelphia. They're very lucky to have you. Thank you so much, Amber. It was a great pleasure to be on your show. And this brings us to the end of On the Middle East. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Mohammed, and please do tune in again. Thank you and goodbye.